Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. All right, welcome to this week's episode, episode 175 of the T-Bone Speaks podcast. And this week, we are going to be going all the way back to 2015 to go through and rework with you what I believe is probably the most important podcast episode that we've ever done and that we still need to refocus on, and that's going through the phases of financial freedom. This week, I am just returning from a cruise. I have gotten home a little bit late at night, uh, so I'm not joined by my lovely co-host, Meredith Cooper-Jones. So it's just going to be me doing the intro. Um, You know, we just got back from a cruise, and uh, one of the things I always talk about, and the whole point of building our practice and trying to grow is to make sure that we grow not just for money, but also for the three phases of life. And those phases, again, are phases that we go through for money, where money is important. We're trying to establish ourselves. The phase that I'm in right now, which is a phase of time where we want to value the time that we have, the time that we have with our family, the time that we have for ourselves. And then the third phase is the phase of satisfaction. Um, so one of the things that my, you know, listen, if it was up to me, I would literally work 52 weeks a year uh, doing what I love to do. Uh, not always what I love to do, unfortunately, uh, that comes with the good comes the uh, bads. And um, but uh, one of the things my wife has made me do uh, several years ago, and I wrote some blog posts about this back in 2013 and 14, uh, when this part of this life became very important for me because of the age of our kids, uh, was doing uh, a minimum of four planned non-negotiable family vacation weeks each year. Uh, Today, we have a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, and 14-year-old. And about five or six years ago when we started this, we would have had a four-year-old, six-year-old, and eight-year-old. And my wife has always recognized from her childhood that having good family time is unbelievably important, even when uh, you're busy professionals. Uh, So she put it to heart for me, and quite frankly, she put her foot down. And so each year, we have four planned weeks non-negotiable. They go on the calendar as soon as the school announces them. And those uh, four weeks are built around a week in February. Our kids get a a winter break, uh, a week off in February, typically around President's Day. Uh, A week off in April for spring break. We take take a week off for a summer trip, uh, typically in July. And then we have our Christmas trip uh, each year. So those are the four times that we know that we're going to take a family trip, and typically they involve 
leaving North Carolina, and almost always they involve, you know, kind of going to a place where I got to check out, where I'm forced to be with the family, not because I don't love them, just because, you know, I'm so driven and so into my work uh, that we got to do that. And so our other rule that goes with this is that uh, we have to plan them out. I mean, we have to have them done. Now, we don't, we're don't. we not the best planners in terms of having all four planned out, but we got to have the next two planned out. Uh, so this week, we went ahead and planned out our Christmas one. Uh, we're still working. We got a July week picked out, but we haven't picked out where we're going. Um, and so, you know, April's already picked out. We're going to London as a group. So, you know, that's, that's there. So I want to encourage you to take a moment to reap the rewards of all these things that we're doing. And if you're not where you're at in terms of being able to take those four weeks off or more, because, you know, personally I'm at more, then I really need you to listen to the podcast. You know, talk to me, reach out to me, uh, call me or, you know, just find me when I'm out speaking and training or whatever it is we do, because that's why we do what we do at 3D Dentists is, is to help people earn more by working less. And that leads me into talking about uh, 3D Dentist. Number one, I want to thank everybody for the support. Um, I cannot believe how great of a year 2019 was. It tells me that our group, uh, because 3D Dentist isn't just me, uh, that our group is doing unbelievably well. We're touching lives. We're making a difference. We're going about it the right way. We're focused on what really matters in practices. We're not doing balloon animals and and talking about crazy uh, things that you eat. I mean, we're just focused on making a difference in your practice. And so I want to take the opportunity to give you a quick ad on a few things that we really do unbelievably well. A new project for me this year, or two new projects for me this year in 2020 is our case acceptance seminar. Uh, we have our first one coming up actually this week, uh, Friday, February 28th in Nashville, Tennessee. We've got almost 90 people registered for that. Uh, our second one will be May 8th in Chicago, Illinois. We're actually at White Sox Stadium, and we have almost 80-some people registered uh, for that weekend. And then we're looking to add one in the fall. We just don't know where. Um, I, I just got to look at the schedule and see kind of what works out. Uh, but it is a one-day program uh, designed for you and your dental team to establish the fundamentals of a good case acceptance process that will lead you to doing more quadrant dentistry and more of the elective dentistry that of all these clinical seminars that you're taking that we're teaching. Uh, and then the other program is our digital implant continuum. If implants change my practice, change my life. Uh, it really set the stage for this practice pivot that I talk about. And if you're not into implants and you are a digital dentist, in other words, you have CBCT and you have digital impressions, we have a digital implant continuum for you. Three weekends, nine days. Two of those weekends feature live patients that we provide for you. And it doesn't teach you everything. All these seminars that tell you they teach you everything, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that they're wrong. Uh, we focus on the fundamentals, getting you started, what I call green light cases. And then, of course, uh, our wonderful Aaron Elliott is, is just phenomenal with our sleep apnea. Uh, Brian McGue with our oral sedation. If you're not providing sedation in your practice, you're just missing out. Barring any state regulations, there's no reason 
that you shouldn't be providing oral sedation. It is totally safe, and it is a practice builder, and a practice revenue increaser is medical billing from Hutan Shahidi. Uh, so we have one-day programs that he does uh, scattered throughout the country. Uh, so 3D Dentist has a lot of things available for you, whether you're a digital dentist or not, uh, whether you're a Dentsplicerona Seric owner or not. Uh, we provide phenomenal education that's based on uh, the way we've done it in my practice, and I know you're going to love it. Uh, it's just a great experience. And this week, uh, we're going all the way back to 2015 for episode 175, The Phases of Financial Freedom. Uh, in this episode, I talk about some so important things, and I kind of want to give you some, just some bullet points on that, of what I, the main points that I want you to take away from them, there's four of them, okay? One, I want to change the way dentists pay themselves. Uh, I think you should pay yourself uh, the equivalent of an associate in your practice. So in other words, I pay myself 30% of my personal collections. I think all of you should be paying yourself. However you would pay an associate, that's how you should pay yourself. And then whatever's left over, you can really see what the business, the ownership of dentistry is actually providing you. Um, number two concept that I want you to fo focus on is the forced savings plan. And this is the number one mistake I made in my first 10 years of my career. At the end of 10 years of my career from 1999 through 2009, I had, didn't have $1 saved. Uh, I had, you know, I had invested, reinvested in my practice, certainly, but I didn't have any savings plan and it started freaking me out because I started having kids around 2006, 2007 and 2010. And that is not a way uh, to to honestly live your life and plan for your family, uh, because after all, why are we doing what we do? So I want you to develop a forced savings plan, and that savings plan is uh, not just for rainy days. That's important. That's the first level of savings you do, but also saving for a financial flexibility, which I'm going to come to as my fourth point. Uh, the third thing is um, I believe we talk about in this episode uh, uh, what what I term the reinvestment escrow. Uh, we take a percentage of our revenue annually, and I put that into an escrow account. Um, and whether you physically actually put an escrow account or you put it into your overall savings uh, that you have liquid access to, um, but we believe in that. And I, I believe that every five to seven years, your office should be re-cosmetic. In other words, new carpets, new flooring, new paint, new things. Every 10 years or so, you should be making some significant updates in your overall equipment, whether that's reupholstering everything, whether that's relaminating everything, uh, whatever it may be. And along the way, as new technologies come out, um, I believe you should be investing in practice. And there's no timeline on that investment into your practice and technologies because that depends on where you are and what you want to do clinically and where you are economically. Uh, and what often holds people back is, is having that... Um, you know, that, that wherewithal economically to put that money in. So uh, saving 1% even or 2% of your annual uh, revenue in your practice to force yourself to invest in your practice is super important. And the most important point that I want you to take from this episode is the concept of financial flexibility. Financial flexibility to me is the most important thing I've created in my life. And that is by living within my means or under my means. And I do that by having a forced savings plan, by paying myself 
knowing that I'm actually earning what I'm paying, and living within those means, reinvesting in my escrow so that when I do spend money, it is truly excess money. And then that allows me to have built-in flexibility. And it's this financial flexibility that allows me to make decisions that have grown my practice, make decisions that have grown my life. And having that is so important. And I can't stress it enough to each of you how important financial flexibility is. The ability to make that decision if, and not that I encourage this, but I certainly do encourage dropping some insurance plans as your practice grows. But, you know, we all have that desire to do it. But then we say, how am I going to do it? What's going to happen? What happens if I, you know, 15% of my practice walks away? And to me, all of that comes back to not having financial flexibility. That's why we're afraid to do it. Imagine if you had 15% of your annual revenue saved up, allocated to dropping insurance and that way, or dropping a plan within your insurance. Well, let's say you want to add implants to your practice and you know it's, it involves a cone beam and education and time and you need to block off timing your schedule to get rid of some things. Let's say you want and you need flexibility to do that. You need to have some money squirreled away for that. Let's say you want to add a sleep program and you want to bring in a team member or a new team member to own and build a dedicated sleep program. Again, flexibility. I wanted to bring in a medical biller, flex financial flexibility. All of these things I've done have always been built around having financial flexibility, which ultimately is what this episode is about. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to episode number 175, an encore episode from 2015, the three phases of financial freedom, and have a wonderful day, and I hope to see you at a seminar very soon. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. 
Okay, uh, thank you for tuning in, and this is uh, uh, T-Bone Speaks. Uh, I think this is our third episode, and uh, I think we've got a great topic today. I'm uh, T-Bone, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Chuck McKee. Chuck, how are you doing? Why do you always use your like, full name? Because people don't know who I am. I don't have a sexy name yet. You, you know, I'm not a first... You're not Chuck Roast? I'm not... <laughs> I guess the way I look, I should be, right? <laughs> you know, my goal is to build a drop my last name and just go like Madonna. Like Prince? Like I'm T-Bone. Elvis. I'm just T-Bone. Like my goal is to go just to the dash of the T-Bone. Just, I want to be the dash. What about the underscore? Is it a dash or is it an underscore? Oh, it's a hashtag or is it a pound sign or is it a number sign? I don't know. I'm, I'm still- that old. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you're not quite rotary old yet. No, I'm not that white either. But, you know, so I shouldn't say that white. I'm probably so, not that American. So I'm not ready to drop McKee yet. I like the way that sounds, by the way. McKee. McKee. I'm proud of being Irish. Is that what that is? I think so. I have no idea. It could be Scottish. Oh, no. You've got a lot of gray hair to I'm be 40. I'm a little bit of a calico. A little bit of everything. A lot of gray hair to be 40. All right, Chuck. What are we going to talk about today? I know what we're going to talk about. I want to talk about financial freedom. I think it's a topic that, unfortunately, not enough dentists talk about, think about, or plan for. So... Uh, By that, I mean, I want to talk about, to me, there are three phases of financial freedom. Uh, There's personal, there's practice, and then there's retirement. Okay. So let's go. What do you got? Well, first of all, why are you asking me this? I sell cotton rolls for a living and technology. Why? Because people talk to you, man. I mean, you, you have a, a good client base. Uh, people open up and uh, they ask you questions. They, they ask you what other dentists are doing. Dentists, are, We should do an episode on how dentists compare themselves to other people and, and the nonsense that goes on there. Well, I'll tell you, I have to be careful with that kind of stuff, right? You know, so um, as we... You just don't use names. Well, listen, my wife calls the dental industry the firm because once you're in, you can't get out. Um, at the same time, everyone knows everyone. So in saying that, um, you know, I never share names. I don't infer anything but i will tell you it is probably the number one thing people ask me because what i found with dentists you guys are just next level and so many different things in life but the one thing that's always blown me away is how damn insecure you guys are i'm like why do you want to know that's called being a human being well listen if you're if you're doing great you have a certain amount of money in the bank and you're What is a certain amount of money? Well, why do you need to know? I mean, why do you need that validity? That's something I've never understood. Hey, are you taking enough time off? If you are, your marriage is great. If your practice is great. But Chuck, it gives you a goal. I I don't know what I could even achieve. Like, listen, if if I just think $100,000 is a lot, then I think it's a lot. But if somebody else says, hey, I'm doing 150, I'm going to be like, hell, I can do 150. Well, (laughs) you know, I've just always wondered, you know, you know, what's enough? You know, when I first started in this business, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, you know, my wife and I, when we met, we were absolutely just the quintessential people straight out of college, dirt poor. Um, I remember we moved in together after we got engaged. You have uh, a wife? <laughs> you know, I, I never see her, but she never sees me, but it works. Okay. What May- time did you start this morning? You know, I'm embarrassed to tell you. Because I will uh, ask you for purposely. <sighs> You know, so if I tell you, you can't judge me. Um, <laughs> I, I started today at 3.20 a.m., but I do that one day a week, and that affords me the time to be able to coach soccer. That affords me the time to be able to do So you start at 3.20 a.m., you show up to my office at 6 p.m. today, and that affords you the time to uh, coach soccer. Well, that allows me to do that on Tuesday. That allows me to do it on Thursday. It allows me to do Cub Scouts on Monday night. 
So, you know, if I got to take it on the chin, I can sleep when I die. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Thank God for Starbucks. Let's get back to financial freedom. Yes. So, you know, a question that comes up a lot, you know, Chuck, um, I'll give you a couple of things. Just the everyday practice money. You know, you know, very typical practice, you know, we see is between 800,000, 1.2 million, okay. a doctor and two hygiene. In North Carolina, we can only have two hygienists per doctor. Thank God. So I've always been amazed because you guys seem like you're exhausted. Exhausted. So, so, you know, I hear people say, Chuck, what do you think is a good number I should have in my checking account for my business? And, you know, I was like, first of all, I'm not a financial planner, but, you know, I do see the accounts receivable list and I, I'm seeing a trend and we'll come back to that trend. Um, seems like the longer insurance takes to pay you, um, that's how much more money you need. So, you know, I have some clients who want to keep eighty, ninety thousand dollars in their business checking. So if a, if a practice is doing 80 grand, uh, sorry, 800 grand a year, that's 70 grand a month. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And what I'm seeing, there's a couple ways. You know, you have the doctors who want to keep seventy or eighty thousand on a practice. That's so let's nice. call that let's call that one month of production. Absolutely. Okay. And then you have those who they pay themselves. Just call it fifteen thousand a month. And then whatever's left over, they're trying to keep Why it. Do just, people, I'm sorry. They just want to keep it as tight as they can and not have anything left over at the end of the month. And so there's that mindset, which has always scared me to death. So, and the other thing people often ask, um, you know, how much do you think I should have in my, my checking and savings at home? Personally. Personally. Um, and I've, I've always just been fascinated by that. I said, like, well, run your house like you run your business, right? But maybe triple that at that point. Because yeah. now we're not just worrying about our business, we're worrying about our family. So... So then the next thing I hear people say, you know, so what you're, so I'm sorry to back yes. up. So, so what you're saying is, uh, your advice is, uh, to keep one X a month's production in your ba- office checking account and keep three X in a rainy day fund personally, conservatively speaking, conservatively speaking. Right yes. now. And that's assuming that, you know, you're paying yourself all the other things on the way you're, you're maximizing your retirement. We need to get to that, but yes. So the other one that comes up a lot, um, Chuck, what what should I be paying myself? You know, and oh my god, you know, and I I always so disagree with people on this, but yeah, it comes up right because I think it's a way that dentists want to measure themselves successfully, right? And so, and we always go back to, you know, are you looking for money or looking for time? You know, just the balance. Who that one comes up a lot, and it's amazing when I see the incomes. Let's talk about that one real quick. Yeah, yeah. So I want to give you my thoughts on yeah. how dentists should pay yourself because you said something earlier. Let's say a dentist paid themselves fifteen thousand dollars a month, and I just wanted to jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, where do you come up with that number from? Like, where, I'm not saying you, but where does a dentist come up with that number from? Well, I think um, you know, goal setting is a whole whole. No, no, but where is the fifty? It's just like a random number. Well, okay, so so. And all I have to base it on are the the limits of dentists I have to work with, right? So. I think people set their personal goals first. You know, what's their home? What's their mortgage going to be? What is their um, vacation going to be? What is their car going to be? What is their kid's college fund going to be? Yeah, but so, you can't pay yourself based on that. Well, That's how the government runs. But here's what you got to think about, right? And I'm just thinking out loud here. A lot of folks, you have to set a goal and work backwards, like with you. No, no, you have to. No, I get that. So, so I think that's where that number comes from to start with. Okay, so to me, how you should pay yourself is you should pay yourself as an associate. Right. Okay, so you should pay yourself 
25, 30, 35%, whatever the number is, whatever you would pay an associate, another dentist to work in your practice, and that's how you should pay yourself. Right. So if your practice, for example, does 80 grand, 70 grand a month, that's the example we're using. Right. Okay. That means that dentist probably doing, the solo dentist probably doing 50 grand of that. Right. Maybe a little bit less, probably 45 grand of that. And his two hygienists are doing 25,000 of that, correct? Correct. So that dentist should pay themselves X percent of $45,000. And see, I believe that the office overhead should be 80% after you pay the dentists. I don't believe in this office overhead is this 50, 55% number. To me, overhead should be measured as what it costs to run your practice, including paying the dentists. Because if I went on vacation for a month, how could I pay myself $15,000? I, I didn't earn it. Well, let me ask you this, doing that math. So let's just call it 100000 for simple math. Okay. 100000 a month we're producing. Okay. As an office. As an office. Okay. Okay. And you're going to pay yourself X. We talked so about. So by 70000 of that is dentist. And we're running 80% overhead. That means we have $20,000 profit. Yeah. As a business owner. As a business owner. Yes. Okay. So what happens with that 20000 times 12 months? That's $240,000. Let's just call it uh, Raleigh Dental Arts PLC. PLLC. Mm-hmm. Whatever, yeah. So the $240,000 left over at the end of the year because the business... Well, I'm, I'm dividing that out to myself every on a monthly basis. Okay, well, see, that's a great question because you hear Dennis say, do I leave that in there? Is that a big rainy day fund? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not a tax accountant and I probably don't do shit right to begin with, right? Right. But to me, okay, so you said rainy day fund. Right. Okay, so for me, what I have set up is I keep two months, 2X, mm-hmm. worth of production available to me okay okay that does not mean i leave it in a checking account because to me that's silly right because that doesn't make any money okay so i leave 2x available to me so that if something were to happen and i needed to go away for two months or if i got injured i could sustain my practice for two months okay okay after that i just will close it down okay it was something right so i keep two months worth of money available to me liquid Okay. Now, some of that may be in the form of a line of credit. Right. Okay. A personal line of credit or some of that, most of that, 80% of that for me is kept as as cash. How long did it take you to get to that point? Uh, A very long time. So Uh, you're... And the problem is, is as your numbers go up over the years, that number has to go up, right? And you have to have that discipline to put that money away. So I know you do a lot with PPOs. Mm -hmm. So... And it's getting slower and slower and slower to get your reimbursements back. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in saying that? But that's that? why I have that fund, right? I mean, I have that working capital. So, 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 so here's the problem. Every business owner, when I use the word working capital, right, every person that starts a practice started with working capital, correct? About 50 grand. Is but what you, never, you never refund that. You never replenish that. And the, you should constantly have working capital in your practice, and it should be, in my opinion, 1 to 2x of your monthly production. Well, how do we build that? That is such a hard thing because... You, you get discipline. Did you have to give up things personally to do that? I, it's not my money. I don't get it until I... Does, does that make sense? I pay myself 30% of what, you know, of what I produce. But it wasn't I pay all, myself as an associate. But it wasn't always that way. You then know, I, then you, can't, you can't build it until you make it. Or, or in the beginning, you have to pay yourself less. Okay. And then you loan it to the practice, right? But right now, I pay myself 30%, okay? And to use the math, I'm trying to, my goal is 80% overhead, right? After I pay myself and everybody else, okay? So I pay myself 30% of what I personally produce, okay? And then that 20% that's left over, 
I have a plan of action. So I would say to you, let's use easy math. Let's say a person has a hundred grand practice. Okay. I would say that you need to have a, let's call it $150,000 in working capital to float yourself for the things that you're talking about. Insurance takes time, all of those things. And I would make it a one year, sorry, a 18 month plan to get there. Okay. That's $8,000 a month. So of that 20% that you have margin every month, you need to put eight grand of that away. Would you say that's a mistake you made early on in your career? I would say it's a mistake that I still make today is that, uh, you know, we're not disciplined. We're not disciplined. We don't have a plan. We just don't have a plan. Well, I, w- I don't think that you don't have a plan. I no, think- no, I'm not saying me personally. I'm saying just dentistry in general. Well, is it maybe out of desperation? You're like, look, I want to save that money. There's nobody who wants to save that money. I don't more than every dentist. But you still have to do it. It just is not going to appear out of air. You know, if people have families, have kids, I mean. Well, stop living out of your means. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm just being frank. Stop living out of your means. So it comes Eat up, macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Do you think that's Don't send your kids to private school. Do you really think that's in a doctor's mindset though? I'm sorry. It should be. Okay. Stop buying Louis Vuitton purses or Chanel purses. You know, stop, stop it. I mean, stop the nonsense. You know, uh, See, because what happens is you get yourself in so much trouble. You put yourself behind the eight ball. You start doing things like where you work for money. I mean, you like you do cases, you chase the money. Right. Like I talked to you about what I'm ashamedful about in the last episode. Right. You get stuck into doing that nonsense. So you've got to fund. You've got to fund your working capital. And maybe your working capital doesn't need to be one and a half x or one x. Maybe it needs to be half x. But you've got to have a formula. Whether it's half x, one. I think one x is the minimum. Right. Okay. One X to me is the number. Okay. So a hundred thousand dollar practice, a million dollar practice should be putting $90,000 away in a working capital account. And then you need to fund it. If you don't have that, you need to fund it over the next 12 months. It's seven or eight grand a month. You can do it. You know, it's interesting. We're in a market now that we've won a lot of awards, the best places to live, great jobs. We have RTP. He was, RTP. We have Duke university. We have so many great things here. I don't here. like Duke so much, but that's well, okay. I don't like UNC. Okay. So, well. So one of the things with that, we've had a, just a major influx of dentists in our market. We're not in New York, but we still have, we have 500 dentists in this little yeah, town. You know, there's, there's eight dentists on my corner. 500 in Raleigh. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've been working with a lot of my clients since they were junior and seniors in dental school. I mean, these guys and gals are my friends. And these are people that I hang out with on the weekend. And so, you know, it's funny. We have a couple of beers and we pull back the curtain a little bit. It's interesting to me, the more desperate people are, the more aggressive these treatment plans have gotten. And you've probably seen it, especially the second and third opinions. Yes. Or, unfortunately, people probably tell me some things I do. Well, one of my favorite things, and just a little pearl I heard from a dentist the other day, and and I love this, and I share this with everybody I can when it comes to treatment planning. And, you know, you guys aren't selling, but you're justifying and you're educating. But call it selling, call it what it is. You're trying to get a patient to build value in what you're saying. And I love this. If you're having to do a second, third opinion on something – and even if the patient needs it, and this is something I heard a doctor say, I said, you know, dear Mrs. Smith, look, you do need a lot of work done, but guess what? It didn't happen overnight. We don't have to fix it all today. I stole that from you. I use that all the time because you stole it from somebody else. But oh, I yeah, love that. You know, it's great. You know, my wife went to Virginia Tech and her degree is in graphic design. And she had a professor tell her, by the way, speaking of knocking things off, there's no such thing as an original idea. There Every, isn't. Everything was actually inspired by something else. 
So for what it's worth, yes, I totally stole that. But as long as you share it, it's okay, right? Yeah. Is course. that like Robin Hood? Well, as long as you give credit to somebody, right? Yeah. You know, even if it's anonymously. So so I want to come back to the point here. Yes. Okay. Bring it back around. So so in the practice, what we're saying is that we need to have a plan to have one X in a fund available to us to be able to pay our bills or to float our practice working capital while insurance companies take longer to pay or so that we can maybe float a, you know, uh, a new idea that we have in our practice to integrate our practice or to, you know, to add uh, new services to our practice because it takes time. And I think we could probably do an episode on that where we talk about the time that it takes to integrate new technology in. So you have to float that because there's times where you're making payments uh, and you're not getting the return yet. Uh, so, um, so you need to have time for that. So you need to have a plan. To me, you should have a 12 to 18 month plan and it should be a bill. Right. I mean, to me, it should be on set it and forget it. Hey, for the next 18 months, I'm going to put 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, whatever the number is, into a separate account that is going to be the rainy day practice fund. So with that being said, now let's go to our personal freedom. Okay. Yeah. So we talk about, you know, something, you know, I stole from you and I love this is the number one bill people aren't paying. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's your retirement. You know, there's there's a great book out there, and this book changed my life. My uh, sister-in-law gave me this book as a um, a wedding gift, and it's called Automatic Millionaire. And it's not about getting rich quick. It's about putting things on autopilot. And there's two books that um, I don't pay my kids to do certain things, you know, but these are the two books. My wife is livid that I've agreed to pay my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old 50 bucks a piece if they read these two books. One is Automatic Millionaire, and the other one is How to Become a Rainmaker. So... You know, the funny thing about Automatic Millionaire is basically just about wealth management and how to build um, your retirement, right? Um, Einstein says the one thing that he never, ever, ever could comprehend was the tax code and also geometric progression. So if we know the power of compound interest in time, why are we doing that? That's one thing that has blown me away with Dennis. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. I met with a guy today. Um, He's 42 years old. Um his practice is doing pretty well. Um, he's doing about $90,000 a month in production. That was a big deal for him because that was a big, big, big milestone. It's a million bucks. And you know what he told me today? He said, I think I'm going to be able to start funding my retirement. Start. But listen, now, here's the thing. So professional associate for a while, right? Still. Beautiful buildings, doing great. And he's always been playing with a Vanguard kind of account. So one of the things he mentioned to me is now I'm able to really fund my retirement, you know, at the next level and do something with this for um, his staff as well. So again, 42 years old. Do, have you ever heard the staff from our, our friend Manji that he says that 98% of dentists, excuse me, that's not true. 80% of dentists age 65 and older cannot afford to retire and maintain their current lifestyle unless they sell their practice and use the proceeds to pay off their current mortgage. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Are you Let's talk me? about this. Yeah. So, so I want to come back to what you talked about there, which was uh, what you mentioned, which was the number one bill people aren't paying. Okay. And I want to use uh, myself as an example. Okay. So I'm 40 years old. Um, it wasn't until age 31 that I started doing this. And I beat myself up that I didn't start doing it earlier. And it is amazing the amount of 
freedom it gives me, the burden it relieves from me to know that if I just keep chugging along, I'll be fine. And, and it's unbelievable, Chuck, what it feels like to know. Now, everybody's number is going to be different. Sure. Okay. Uh, but let, let's say, let's just say your number is $5 million. Okay. That's what you want. Why five million? There's something to that number. Why five? What's five million give you? Five million gives you a quarter million dollars a year to live off of. Okay. Okay. Explain that a little bit. So roughly, if you say I'm going to get a five percent return, okay. five million times five is five percent. It's going to be quarter million dollars. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you know, quarter million, you pay some taxes, whatever, right? So you, you'll probably have one hundred seventy-five to two hundred thousand dollars to live. Okay. To to sustain your lifestyle. Okay. And and um, or maybe less or more, whatever you need. But let's just use that number, okay? So to me, what you got to do is you got to work backwards and figure out what that number needs to be on a monthly basis. We are so programmed to fund or to pay monthly notes. I bought my cone beam machine, monthly note. Bought my Seric machine, monthly note. Bought my building, monthly note. Bought my car, monthly note. Well, what about my retirement? So when I came up to that concept that I need to have $5 million in my retirement, it's a loan. That's the bottom line. It's a loan. So I figured out so that age, at age 60, not 65, 60, I want to have this in the bank. Right. Okay. And I work backwards. It's not hard to do. You just do a reverse mortgage essentially. Okay. And I work backwards and it said I need to put X dollars away every month. And if I do that, assuming a conservative growth of 5% annually, okay, that I will have $5 million in the bank, okay? And so I put that away every month. It's a bill. I never see the money. It goes straight out of my practice to my personal account, straight out of my personal account to my retirement plan, whether that's in a tax savings account, like through an IRA, whatever it may be, or whether it's just a general fund, we put that money away. I never see it. Does the market freak you out? Do you find yourself? Of course. I look a little bit, but you can't. You know, you got to be in it for the long haul. You know, if I were 60, it'd it'd freak me out a little bit, right? But I'm 40, you know, and and it's, to me, it's the most important advice I gave to my brother. Uh, when he started his up, uh, when he started working at the hospital as an oral surgeon in D.C., I said, fund every penny. And I think the earlier you do it, the, more, the quicker you learn to live on a sustainable lifestyle. So when your, your friend or your client said, I'm 42 and now I can fund my retirement, that means he's got to be making even more than it takes to live off of. Right. Okay, so to me, you got to figure out what it takes to live. You got to add your funding, your retirement, and that's your base income. That you, that's your income that you need to shoot for. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Fund a new building first. Fund your retirement first. Buildings, real estate. I can sell it. It's part of my practice. It's tangible. You never know. It's hard. My dad always said to me, "It's it's easy to buy, hard to sell." If you got in a pinch. If I got into a pinch right now and needed to sell my building, who's going to give me full value for it? It's a dental building, right? But who's going to give me full value for it? If I was in a pinch, who's going to give me full value? When you pass away, 
and that dentist passes away and they have their building. How many times have you heard of dental practices, the dentist passed away, what's their practice worth now? What's their building worth now? Everybody's dying to buy that because it's worthless. You know, in other words, you can get it for a steal. It's a fire sale. It's a fire sale, right? So I always look at this way. You have to first and foremost fund your retirement. First and foremost. That number has to be a bill. It's got to be the bill. You have technology that you want to buy. You've looked at a return on investment. Mm-hmm. Call the number of implants you're not doing or the number of crowns that you are doing. You see a substantial ROI that will, conservatively speaking, will save you $5,000 a month, but you've got to make a loan payment, but you're not funding your retirement. What do you do? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course. It's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. You uh, well look, it, that that's a different decision, Chuck. Right. Okay, so so to me, um, I I don't know how to answer that. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you to live cleaner. Yes. Okay. I'm going to say don't take it out of your retirement fund. Right. You know, don't I, I look? Don't draw out of your retirement fund. But what I'm saying when I say don't take out of retirement, I'm talking about that monthly bill. Okay. That's correct. That five thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand, whatever it is per month that you got to put away. Don't don't draw from that. Uh, that's your that's your last option. To me, it's you know maybe you don't need uh, a Mercedes. You know maybe you don't need uh, to get your. <laughs> you know what drives me nuts sometimes is people make fun of my car being dirty. And I do I say, that. I do that. I don't want to spend thirty dollars a week getting my car cleaned. Well, I'm like, why do you have a Tesla? That's, that's fifteen hundred dollars a month. Fifteen hundred dollars a year. Why would I waste fifteen hundred dollars? You know what that fifteen hundred dollars a year costs me. That's like a hundred grand. Well, let me ask you this: It's a hundred grand when I turn sixty-five. Why in the world would I wash my car every week? Well, so here's my thing: pet peeve. Maybe it's me living vicariously through you. You have an awesome, beautiful Tesla. So what? And for your birthday, I was going to have it detailed, and you said don't do it. But I'm like, well, don't buy a car like that. That's a slap in the face to me that you drive a car and it looks horrible. So what? It gets me from A to Z, A to B, whatever, the, whatever you guys say. Why not buy a Honda then? 
I don't know. I like the way it drives. I like the way it looks. I like how I feel. And I could give a crap less if it's dirty on the outside. I really could. You so, know, and, and I'm not going to spend the money on it. That's not important to me. Well, so, so those are the things I'm talking about that people need to give up. Um, you give me a hard time about Like my- dry cleaning. Like why, 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 why do people dry clean their clothes? Just wash it and iron it. Stop being lazy. Put a price on your time. You're a little bit of a hypocrite you know, there. No, no. I, I, but listen, the person who can't fund the retirement doesn't have a time issue. Well, there you go. They have a money issue. Okay? So the person, I have a time issue because I'm doing all those things, right? So <laughs> now I got a time issue, right? But when you've got a, when you've got a money issue, then, then you've got to work. I mean, you've got to go back to the motel days and you've got to do laundry and you've got to do all that stuff. So let's talk about this. And the reason we break this up is a lot of it I'm asking for my own selfish mm-hmm. reasons because, A, you know, I am part of those people, right? Um, but the other thing is I have a lot of tough tough conversations with my clients what about the guy who's 50 years old has done nothing just throw a white start to accelerate just you know and, and that is the beauty right of the income you can accelerate you got to do something right real estate i hear a lot of guys saying you know what i can't control the market but you know what i feel like i can do a little better with uh, real estate so so all those things play into that role okay so if you own your building like i don't count your practice Okay, I, I, I simply don't count a value of my practice as part of my number okay. because I don't know what the market's going to bear 10 years from now or 15 years from now. I mean, practices, maybe look at medical practices. What is a medical practice worth today? Well, you tell us that your wife's you know, it's MD. not worth nothing. She's looked at a few. It's nothing. It's a medical practice itself. The goodwill in medicine is essentially worth nothing. You think we're going down that road? I don't know. I, re- I hope not. But I don't know. Right. I can't control that. Can I? So I cannot depend on the value of my practice to fund my retirement. I, I just cannot. And nor would I recommend anybody listening to use that number. Now, real estate, you can put a value to it. Now, I think you should make the value 60 70% of what you think it's worth because that's a fire sale value, right? To, to me, the values you got to put on those things is liquidating. So like stocks. Stocks are worth what they're worth because you can liquidate that pretty easily. So, okay. So let's go back real quick. We talked about, you know, what's a good number to keep in your business checking, your rainy day fund, whatever that is. We've talked about a little bit on the personal side of things, you know, what's good to keep at home. About 3X. About 3X. Um, That is something that people are just uncomfortable talking about. You know, it's funny. I listen to a lot of David Ramsey. I listen Mm -hmm. to, you you name it, I listen to it. I just love to listen to it. But not in podcast form. Not in podcast form. (laughs) I listen to it live (laughs) because it's syndicated, right? Um, but this is the one question that everyone asks, how much is enough? And so you answered a lot of questions. I think a lot of dentists are asking. So let's talk about this. So timeframes, you know, we have a lot of young people starting to buy practices versus setting up cold starts. Yeah. I think, I think in major markets, yes. Um, you know, Metro markets, I think the cold start is harder and harder. It is. It's harder and harder for me to personally recommend, yeah. you, you know, and um, I'm a straight commission salesperson and I've got to sleep at night, right? I, I, I don't. But su- obviously you don't because you started at three o'clock this morning. <laughs> Maybe there's a problem. <laughs> um, I don't succeed unless my clients succeed. And I'm certainly never going to put them in a market that they're going to be stressed out. And I would like to walk in and be around positive people. People who are doing well seem to be a little more happy and positive. So let's talk about an expectation and time frame for people. What do you, what are you seeing? I mean, you're, you started from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one just absolutely was a miserable start. I mean, that model failed miserably. It did. So you gave. I don't out. like to use the word failed, but it, it it didn't succeed. We found another way not to do it, right? Yeah. Okay. How about that? So you gave that two years. 
About 18 months to two years, yeah. So then you started your new model. And for what he's talking about is I started my first year, 18 months and 24 months of my practice as a fee-for-service only cash practice, essentially cosmetic only practice. And you were 23 years old? I was 24. 24. Yeah. You did the, um, you worked for, I remember where you worked one time. It was it was actually for an HMO dentist, correct? Yeah, it was for an HMO group. <laughs> I've worked for DSOs. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so that lasted. I remember. It, tell me if I'm right on the story, because I called on that group. Yep. That's where we met. Great account. 1999. They bought a lot of stuff. But anyway, um, and I remember you leaving, and I asked one day why you were gone. Is, tell me if there's a true story here. So apparently, you had treatment plan number eight and nine, and you want to do two Empress crowns. And it might have been Procera back then. I don't recall, but it was all ceramic. And the insurance company would not pay that. They downgraded it to a PFM and you quit. I just quit. Tell, tell us about that real quick. Is that the truth? It's pretty close. I mean, that's not the reason I left, but I just, I was too dumb to know that, that my whole life was going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I'm like, why, why should I, why, essentially the group I was working for at the time wanted me to do a PFM because that's what insurance paid for. And I said, no, I won't do it because it's not aesthetically the right thing to do. It's not what the patient wants. And the patient wasn't willing to pay whatever outrageous fee they wanted for just the all ceramic crowns. So I just said, this is ridiculous. Just that, that's part of the reason. That's not the reason I left. So next, I thing, just knew better. I knew I could do it on my own. So we went from Strickland Road, yeah. and, and we that didn't work out so well. Yep. And then you moved to Windchime, mm-hmm. and you bought that building. I bought it, yes. I believe in buying versus renting. So you were renting a beautiful piece of real estate. That I did not own. And... That didn't work. So you're like, well, that doesn't work. I'm renting. Well, renting wasn't the reason it wasn't working. But but I, I wanted to buy something. So, and so we started over. Yep. And you bought that building. Um, how long before you started feeling like this is going to work? Uh, well, that's a, a somewhat unfair question, Chuck, uh, from the sense that um, it was so not working <laughs> before that simply making money was working, right? Step one. Uh, step one. So I, I would say it took me a solid 18 months or two years to be comfortable that, hey, I'm going to be okay. Were you there full time? Yeah, I was there four days. I, mean, I made a lot of mistakes starting. We should do, you know, we should, uh, do an episode uh, about all the mistakes I made starting. Uh, it's just unreal, the number of mistakes I look back. Like the, the idea of starting a practice from scratch and being there five days a week <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, I, like I, say, sh- I, I, I think, should be working somewhere else at the same time. I don't think I've ever recommended anyone to do that. But yeah. So you went through that cycle. Yeah. And But year two, year three in the new building, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. We're doing very good. Um, then you bought this building. Yeah. That was a uh, that was a tough, uh, tough, uh, tough move. So you went from 1,200 square feet? Uh, 1,800. To what? 10,000. And how'd that go? Oh. With a wife who was was in her residency. Yeah, she was just finishing her residency. Uh, that that was a unbelievable leap of faith, Chuck. Um, but to t- kind of tie it in, I wouldn't be able to make that leap of faith if I wasn't putting my money away every month. Okay. Because to buy this building required a down payment, correct? Yes. And where was I going to get that down payment if I didn't have money? You know, if I wasn't saving. So I dipped into my rainy day fund to buy this building. Not cash, but to put the down payment for the building down. And and to me, that all comes back to putting the money away. So when I say you got to put money away for your retirement, it doesn't mean that you can't touch it for very important things. 
for risks. What is retirement? It's a risk. What is a stock market? That's an investment, correct? Right. So when you buy stocks, it's a risk. It's a gamble. It's legalized gambling, in my opinion. So you can buy and sell stocks if you want. I, I chose to take that money and use it as a down payment on this building. And, and to me, it, it really boils down to just being able to put money away. So, you know, we're reaching our time, Chuck. I, I want to kind of wrap this up a little bit on this episode. Um, so, so what we're saying is that we need to have a plan to have one X for your practice to work in capital. We need to have a plan to have three X of your monthly personal expenses in, in, in a rainy day fund. And then we need to have a plan to reach your retirement at whatever age you want it to be. And that retirement should be to sustain your current lifestyle. So you can't assume you're going to live on macaroni and cheese if you've eaten, eaten caviar all your life. It's not going to be possible. You can't assume that you're not going to travel more when you're retired because you've got nothing to do besides travel because you don't have a job. So you have to sustain your current lifestyle. And uh, so you need to have that number in mind. So if you live on 100 grand a month right now, then you need to be able to pull 100 grand a month in retirement. And you need that kind of money in, in a retirement fund. Uh, and, and the good news is that if you know that number, you can then work backwards and say, Hey, at this age, I want to reach that, what I call freedom state. And then you want to, uh, put that money away. It's a bill. It's a monthly bill that you put away. I I'm telling you, it is a great feeling when you get to that point. It doesn't happen tomorrow. Like you can suddenly be able to put the money away, but you build up to it. If that number is 10 grand a month, then you start with one a month, two a month three a month, four a month, and the next thing you know, you're hitting your number, you've adjusted your lifestyle accordingly, or you've adjusted your practice accordingly, and, and you reach those goals. So I think it's an uh, important topic. Uh, if you have some questions, uh, certainly you can visit Chuck at askchuckmckee.com. You can visit me at uh, 3d-dentists.com, or you can find me on Facebook. Chuck is still not on Facebook yet. Uh, but, I'm thinking uh, MySpace. I'm bringing it back. MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get on the Facebook. You get you'll get on Google Plus when it's finally dead. I'm almost on the line. Oh my god. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in and uh we look forward to catching you next time. Thank Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, 
Visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode. 